Welcome back to the movies underground. This week, we're watching the murder mystery, Knives Out. This is our introduction to Detective Benoit Blanc as he investigates a mysterious suicide of a famed novelist, Harlan Thrombey. Detective Blanc has to anticipate the terminus of gravity's rainbow as he wades through the Thrombey family's lies and deceits who are all vying for the contents of Harlan's will. Caught up in the middle of this is Harlan's private nurse, Ana de Armas. Let us know if you disagree with anything on Instagram, at Movies Underground. Stick around to the end of the episode, and we'll reveal what movie we're watching next so you can follow along. I'm Kevin. Let's go join Lori in the theater. Full spoilers ahead. So before we get started on this episode, I feel like we have to talk about the, the elephant in the room. The, the controversy of, that is, Ryan Johnson. Who I almost swore, I even looked it up. I, I thought he was going to be related to Don Johnson, but he's not. However, very um, conveniently, nowhere on the internet can you find who his parents are. But anyway... Oh. He doesn't seem to be related. <laughs> oh, th- so there's a mystery <laughs> surrounding him. It only it only lists his two cousins. Interesting. Maybe we mm-hmm. should, you know, dive deeper into this and do a little, right? you know, investigative journalism. Um, I was referring more to, um, for the Star Wars fans out there, he directed episode number eight, which I know you're not as familiar with, but it is one of... It is the most divisive um, episodes of Star Wars that there is. Um, I saw that. The Last Jedi, right? Yes. Yes. And you either loved it or you hated it. And and you... I hated it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna come straight out and say, yeah, I, I didn't think it was anywhere along the lines of what a real Star Wars like I was just disappointed, right? So, a lot of the people now refuse to see Ryan Johnson movies. Oh, and like yeah, because they they really he really screwed up Star Wars and the plot lines and how those three, um, you know, the next set of trilogies came out, how they really fit together, and I and I agreed with all of that. So a lot of people just boycotted Ryan Johnson. So the next movie he came out with was Knives Out, yeah. which is an original um, thought to him. Yeah. Like he wrote, written and, and directed, yeah, written and directed. So he really wasn't stepping on anybody it's... else's IP. You know, he had free reign to do whatever he want because you know, like this was his idea to begin with. Um, and I was one of. I will admit to being in the camp that I was reluctant to see him because I didn't want to give him the benefit of another movie ticket to go see Knives Out. How did he write and direct a Star Wars, though? Isn't that somebody's property? Well, we're beyond the property of George Lucas. Now they're just tacking on, you know, adding stories to it and going... And anybody could do it? Um, Technically? Disney hires people to do it, but yes, yep, it's well. If you get hired to do it in the next movie or a trilogy, I guess you get most say on the story. But now there are people that control that a little bit more, I think. 
So I was reluctant to kind of see this because from what I knew of this director, I didn't like him. I didn't like the way his story worked. There were so many plot holes in The Last Jedi for me that didn't even fit together. So I thought Knives Out is going to suck. But I've heard so many good things. I'll give it a watch. So I think it's safe to say, because I feel like he did a good job on this. I think it's safe to say he just doesn't belong touching Star Wars. Yes. And who really does (laughs) other than George Lucas? I would agree with that. Yeah. And that's a whole nother episode. But I think Mm -hmm. I think Star Wars should take a hiatus. Because, you know, love grows fonder in absence. So give me give me a break from Star Wars and maybe I'd be happy to come back to it. Maybe. Um But Did for you know Knives he... Out, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Like Yes. Yeah. He also um and I never heard of this before, but he was also in an episode of a show called the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. I didn't oh. know if you've ever heard of that. Yes. <laughs> okay. Back in '93, he was he was in an episode. Mm-hmm. It says he was in one episode in '93. Oh, don't tell me he was like the little boy that shot. Uh... There was one special episode where Harrison Ford actually like came into the show, which oh. you know, like it was about Indiana Jones, but it was about young and you know, young yeah. Indy, and then. In one episode, they kind of fast forward in Indy's life, and Harrison Ford actually made the appearance. And in the end of that episode, if I can remember, and then we're jumping right to the spoiler, but there's an old man that takes Harrison Ford's place sitting in a museum, and there's a little kid that sits on the bench next to him. And he starts talking to this kid like, you have no idea what's in this museum, you know? <laughs> like, I got half this stuff. You don't even know, like, what it's doing here. I wonder if he's that kid that made the probably because it was thirty years ago. You know, probably. Wow, that's that's funny. Hm. Well, fast forward, he wrote and directed *Knives Out*. It was twenty nineteen, PG thirteen, two hours ten minutes, right in the sweet spot. Yeah, yeah, I think this script ran right with it the whole time. So once you got going. They kept up the momentum. Okay. I don't feel like I it got sluggish at any point for me. Um, you know, like I don't want to use the term, but it kept me on the edge of my seat, and it did. Agree. Yeah. And it had a good cast too. Some of the big names we've got: Don Johnson, Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig. Who, for me, <laughs> this was my first Daniel Craig film. I have not seen any of the. I'm not a big. James 007 Bond. fan. I've never seen any of the James Bonds, no matter who played him. Um, and I just, I went through his uh, filmography. He's been in 73 movies. I have not seen one of them. Wow. Yeah. You really have to dance around Daniel Craig to not see one of his movies. Okay. Um, and then, of course, Chris Evans and Tony Collette, a couple other big names. I wonder if it helped you to watch this movie not seeing him as James Bond because I was so used to that really smooth British accent this whole time when he's doing what it was what was it that uh Chris Evans called the foghorn leg horn foghorn leg southern drawl this do you know foghorn what's funny leg horn detective 
I, like I said, never heard him speak before. So, but I knew he was a British actor. Never even heard yeah. him speak. You know, the the second he opened his mouth in that room, the, this is going to sound funny. <laughs> I immediately thought of Fred Wynn as the judge in My Cousin Minnie. Oh. Oh, Herman Munster, right? Herman Munster. Yeah. Do you remember that drawl he had? Oh, yeah. That's exactly <laughs> who it reminded me of. <laughs> what did he say? What is this? CSI, KFC? <laughs> so watching the movie like this is one thing that stuck out to me like daniel craig did a really good job with the accent but i almost felt like it was too character accent because i knew he was so british and it was just like i just want him to speak like you know james bond Bond. (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so, like, I kept thinking about his accent where I think somebody that might not be familiar with him would just accept that British accent. I just don't know too many people in this world that speak like that still, you know? I, I feel like that's such a characterization of, like, Louisiana that isn't true anymore, but I, I don't know well enough. Right. Yeah. I think I think in the Deep South you would find that because, you know... um, Jay watches a lot of those, uh, like, alligator hunting shows and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. I forget what it's called. You know what I mean, History though. Channel stuff, yeah. Yes. And those Cajun guys, they have that that deep southern drawl like that. It's still around in, the, in, those, in those areas. Okay, right. Well, you know, like, being from upstate New York, you know, like, that's... Mm-hmm. But... I, I really appreciate it as opposed to him just putting on uh, what they call a neutral accent, which is just a, you know, like classical American, not Southern or anything. Right. I think that would have been almost too bland. So giving him a little bit of color with this different kind of uh, characterization and, you know, like I think uh, Tony Collette or Jamie Lee Curtis at one point even called him Mr. Blank. Yes. And he corrects them. And he corrected them. It's Detective Blanc. Okay. You know, like... It just, it did um, emphasize his character a little bit more. It sweetened the pot, so. Right. I think That, like, French district, <laughs> yes. Louisiana, New Orleans, yeah. Yeah, and he pulled it off really well, but okay. I just know he can be so suave with his British accent. <laughs> I have, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to watch something else that he's in. Yeah, we'll have to pick, uh, pick something off of his filmography. Yeah. So I know this, this isn't even a spoiler because I know that Ryan Johnson said that he intends for this to be a whole new detective series. So we, as long as this was successful, we are likely going to get another Detective Blanc episode. We are, as a matter of fact. Did they it's announce in it? in the works. <laughs> well, um, on IMDb, there is a sequel in the works, Knives Out 2, Plot Unknown. Um, and the cast this time around is Ethan Hawke, Kate Hudson, Jessica Henwick, who I'm not familiar with, Edward Norton, Dave Bautista, who I love, Wow, Catherine Hahn, who I love even more, <laughs> and Janelle Monet, to name a few. Oh, wow. So, all right, good. It's, it's uh-huh. off the ground. It's up and I'm excited to see it. You know, like I yeah. will give Ryan Johnson the benefit of the doubt. 
stick to your own stuff, dude, I'd be happy yep. to watch it. <laughs> exactly. I would watch the sequel. Yeah. So anyway, so in this one, you are led right into thinking that Detective Blanc is already someone of great you know, importance, but you've never heard of him before. So you're jumping right. into the middle of his career at this point. Yes. He's and he's he's there because we have the 85-year-old patriarch of the family, Christopher Plummer, found dead with his throat cut, and uh, Benoit Blanc. You almost want to say it like that, Blanc. I feel like I have to now because he corrected... Jamie Lee Curtis when she called him blank. Yep. He's the famous private investigator consulting with the police. So everybody is settled on the fact that he committed suicide, but now they're coming in and and re-questioning everybody. And you do, you watch him commit suicide. So you know that he slits his own throat right at the beginning. And that's never in question to you, the audience. But to the detectives, to everybody else, they they don't really understand what's fully happening. As Detective Blanc said, it's a donut with a donut hole shaped donut hole inside it. But but wait a minute. (laughs) At the very (laughs) he did say that at the very beginning, though, we didn't watch him do it. We watched him do it when he went in the middle when he was. Marta was recounting what happened. In the beginning, Fran, the housekeeper, was bringing him breakfast and found him there. Yeah, in the very beginning, you just see the aftermath. But then I think shortly after, they they do reveal that, yes, like Marta saw him do it. Yep. And uh, yeah, so you're led to think, all right, so what could have been the foul play that got the detective hired? Because he was hired right off the bat. He was, and he didn't know who hired him. Right, that was the that was the, the real mystery. Not so much who or how. Um, what was his name? <laughs> the th- Thromby. Th- Thromby. Thromby. Ah, uh, what was his first name though? Oh, Harlan. Maybe not ever. Harlan. Harlan Thromby. Before Harlan Thromby was killed, you, like you think that's the mystery, but the real mystery is who hired the detective. Exactly. Um, so one question that I have uh, when I was just trying to research this just before we started here was I I pull up the IMDb and I look through it, but the uh, Google movie sheet, whatever it is, has Joseph Gordon-Levitt listed as Detective Hard, Hard Rock. I am 100% sure that wasn't Joseph Gordon-Levitt as one of the two... Um, estate detectives I, I guess you would call them agree um, there was the one lieutenant um, that was Lakeith the, his real name yes. is Lakeith Lieutenant Elliot yes but I'm sh- pretty sure the other guy oh Trooper Wagner that was his name yes Trooper Wagner so Joseph Gordon-Levitt has a a credit on this though wow I'm gonna check I don't remember that in IMDB either but let's double check hmm. you know what I found funny what while we're doing that, I don't know if you picked up on this, but you know how many times they referred to Marta as family? She's like, family. Did you notice everybody got got it wrong where her family was actually from? Yeah, it jumped all over the place, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, one person said Uruguay. The next person said Paraguay. Yep. Ransom later on said, you Brazilian nurse? Yes. No, she must have been real family, you know? <laughs> yes. 
And I think this was the first time that I saw Ana de Armas. Who's that? Marta. Oh, Mar- oh yes. That is the first time I saw her as well. Ana de Armas, yes. I wonder if... Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, it was just a voice. According to IMDb, it was just a voice. But he's here, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Detective Hard Rock voice. It's weird how they get such... But I such, don't remember the voice. They get such big stars to do this thing that you'll never know it was ever them just because they wanted to to take part in this. That's funny. Yeah. How interesting. I also thought it was interesting that uh, Daniel Craig, when they're, when they're interviewing everybody, he was sitting sitting in the chair behind the detectives. And every time it got off course, he would hit a key on the piano. Yes. And every time he hit that key, the detective, Elliot, he would ask the same question. So you all arrived at the same time that night, right? Showing <laughs> that he really had control when he yeah. truly has no authority in this. He was a private detective. So that bothered me because like Jamie Lee Curtis, and so sometimes I get annoyed in this um, when movie characters, something happens where... I would never stand for that. Like, <laughs> you're telling me you don't know. You're not going to tell me who hired you to investigate my father's death. Get out of my house. Who are you? You're nobody. Leave. Yeah. And they were a family of really big bossy pants. So, yeah, now, I agree with you. Like, if, if that had been my house, I would be like, if you are not an official, get out of here. No, nope. I don't care who hired you at that point. Exactly. So they're trying to see who had motive, and we find out Walt had motive. Mm-hmm. You know, with the publishing house. Uh, Richard had motive. And I love I love that they tied that up. They came full circle with uh, how Jamie Lee Curtis said, we had our own special way of communicating. Yes. That was excellent. Yeah, they had a lot of loose ends. Um, like small subplots uh, that they all tied together at the end. He must have spent days, weeks, whatever, fine-tuning the script to make sure that every one of those little threads got put in its place at the end, which I very much appreciate. And that's where I give him credit, just not Mm -hmm. in Star Wars. I know. But there was one that he left out that I would have loved to see happen. Ooh, what did he miss? Why did nobody say to Meg, don't worry, your mom's not broke. She's got $400,000 in the bank to pay for your school. But did anybody know that? Only Harlan Thromby knew that she was double dipping, and so... And Marta. And instead of saying that, she said, oh, no, I'll give you whatever you need. I'll pay for it. Knowing that her mom has been skimming the whole time. Well, her mom might have been skimming, but was she spending? She might have been spending, exactly. <laughs> that That's the only way I justified yeah. her not saying it. Yeah, who, who knows at that point? Mm-hmm. But she also had motive. Yeah. Every one of them had motive, so it was down to, all right, well, then who really did it? Yeah, and so I think that's kind of what made it like the classic Who's Done It movie, and the only one I can really directly compare that to um, was, oh, geez, it was a John Cleese movie, and I think it was back in the 80s, the movie version of Clue. Do you remember this? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everyone in there at some point had motive enough, so it kept you kind of like guessing towards the end. 
And this is like the revival of that whole style because I, I feel like we haven't seen the classic who done it when everyone's stuck in a house together um, yep. for quite some time. They even mentioned that the detectives and, and Blanc um, after they left the house. I forget who it was that threw the baseball out the window and it landed on the grass and he picked up the baseball and he's like, they live in a clue board right here. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yep, they even live in, like, the clue house or, yeah, whatever he said. Okay. And, you know, I made a note about um, not even half, I guess the ha- halfway through I made a note for myself. I'm like, this guy is such a famous, renowned detective. He didn't notice the blood on her shoe? Yes. Does he? And then I was remiss. Yes. <laughs> Or whatever I was. <laughs> he was just, that might not be the right word. He was just tugging at your heartstrings until the end. He wanted to... Mm-hmm. And I love that she called him out on it, too. No offense, but you're kind of a crappy detective. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I also love that she couldn't lie. Oh, yeah. So that was a unique one to me because, like, that, that was a great plot device, right? Because you knew whatever mm-hmm. she said had to be true or else she would puke. Yep. But I was like... Is that real? Like, has there ever been a regurgitative reaction? I've never heard of it either. <laughs> well done on the accent. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think it was well done, but yeah. <laughs> uh, I just can't believe that that was something that you know. Um, like, who thinks of that? Going along with the the clue board, right? Um, okay. One of the great like characters of this movie was the house. Because the house led to a certain few plot points and revealing which character was going where, um, the secret passages and stuff like that. But what really got my attention, and I loved this, I think it was over the top, but it was a perfect like little cherry on this house, was the board of knives, that wheel of knives. And Yep. But it was the perfect uh, Chekhov's gun. Like, if you see something that fantastical... In the movie, you want to see it in use, in action. And so this whole time, you keep seeing this big wheel of knives thinking, like, why is this here? What is this big wheel of knives? And I I do want to call back, because I know I've mentioned this before, but there is a great YouTube channel called Studio Binder that talks about all these um, plot points. And they actually specifically call out Knives Out as being one of the good Chekhov's gun um, examples that they use. So go check really? that out on YouTube because I, I love that channel. I find it very interesting and that, that was a great take home. And I don't want to steal their thunder. You should just go watch their video on it. <laughs> um, And what was funny was that I, not that I didn't notice it, like everybody was sitting in front of it mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. I didn't realize what it was until Marta was sitting in front of it. And then I looked behind her. I'm like, oh, that's a wheel of knives. I'm like, ah, that's got to be the prop from his book, A Thousand Knives. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. And then tied it in at the end, too, after, um, you know, when when Harlan mentioned. uh, Oh, that was right at the beginning. The character about not being able to tell the difference between a a real knife and a plot knife. Another one of those little threads that gets tied up right at the end. Yep. Yes. Little little subtle foreshadowing. Yep. Couldn't even tell the real knife from the 
prop knife. Yep. Yeah. And he couldn't. Yeah, but I, I thought that added that perfect amount of flourish. So this was like true life that had, you know, more vibrant colors. It, it was a little bit more extreme. Yes. <laughs> but it was um it was amazing how you know he he spoke about his moment of clarity like he came up with this entire idea this whole plot in like a half a mile ride up the driveway. You know that that was a pretty uh Do you mean Ransom? Ransom did. Yes. 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 I didn't want to I didn't want to I'm trying not to give anything away, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Like he left the house, drove halfway up the driveway, and then was like, you know what? And then went back and he came up with all this stuff and and this close to getting away with it. You're right. I think it was equally impressive that Harlan Thromby, um, when the whole catalyst was that Marta, his nurse, um, seemingly switched medications and gave him a fatal dose of something. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead of you know, implicating her in this accidental death, he tried to cover for her by committing his own suicide. And it, he had to. He, he right, and he only had ten minutes. the The accidental overdose of morphine was going to kill him in about a ten minute time window. And not only that, he he already cut everybody else out. Right, his will had been written. It's already sealed. So there was really no going back for him at that point. No. In his will, everything was going to Marta. Mm-hmm. But what was impressive was that he's got 10 minutes left to live. And the only thing that he thought about was coming up with this fantastical plot to cover up her accident and make it look like a suicide. And he did that in five minutes, maybe. And it was very involved. There were a lot of moving pieces to it. He just, then you're going to do this. Right. He just snapped right to it. But years mm-hmm. of writing all of these plots and detective, you know, like he was primed to think this way and and he did it. Like Walt said, he said the plots just popped into his head. Yeah. And they sure did if that was an example of it. Yep. Because that was, yeah, it was a whole book, you know. And was, was Ransom Walt's son or was he? Oh, uh, He was Richard and Linda's son. Don Johnson's son. Richard. Yes. Right. That I was having a little bit of a hard time, like keeping the family members straight. I was like, at some point, I just said, "Screw it, they're all family members." That's all you need to know. It doesn't matter whose family members of who, because that really didn't make a difference towards the end. True. But yeah, I like I did struggle a little bit trying to keep them all straight because for that many people living in one house would be nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, did you? And Ransom was his middle name. Right. Hugh. Which which bit him in the ass. Yes. yes. Hugh. Hugh did this. Which was Ransom's middle name being so kind of foreshadowing to the plot too? You know, I was thinking about that afterwards. Like, I'm like, well, that, yeah, that's a hefty Ransom. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's a little bit of a, yeah, he's holding mm-hmm. them Ransom. Exactly. Um, did you happen to catch the mug that Harlan drank out of in the very beginning yep my house my rules my coffee that's right yep <laughs> and i love that she was drinking out of it afterwards looking down on all of them that's right her family yes uh but 
her fingers covered up the my rules, my coffee. And yes, she said, it's just my house. My house. <laughs> I loved it. And you know who else I loved? Who? Harlan's mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nana. I, it was, she had you like three what, lines in the movie, but she was great. But I did I did notice, I don't know if you noticed this, the first time that they were recounting what happened and Ransom stormed out of Harlan's office saying, I'm warning you, mm-hmm. She he, he walked past her and left and she goes, Ransom, are you leaving already? Yep. And then the next two times that they recounted that, she did not say that. Oh, interesting. He just walked by her and walked out the door. Hmm. I wonder whose account recalled her saying something when she left. I think I think it would have had to been Linda's because she was the first one in there. She was, and then Richard was next. Oh. Or was Walt next? One of them. Hmm. But who remembered? Uh, well, no, it must have been her herself, the mother of Harlan that recounted who was climbing the lattice in the middle of the night because no one else was around to see it, right? Oh, right. And and that's how... Detective Blanc. She, the, yes, that's how she said it to him. Like, you're back again. That's right. Because he was already back once. <laughs> and that was crazy how Harlan had Marta do the exact same thing that Ransom did to get back in. Yeah, and... I was wondering, like, how how many, uh, I guess everybody that lived in the house must have known that, but how many times did people use that that entryway, the coming and going of that the trellis. secret window climbing the trellis? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that's probably why that piece broke off, because it was well used. <laughs> so I think on this, the whole wild goose chase, I was kind of disappointed in the detectives themselves, because yeah, I really think that Detective Blanc kind of steamrolled them, took over this investigation, and for a, a true lieutenant in the you know state troopers or whatever, um, we're not really controlling the scene, and they just let anything happen. And I was like, ah, you're letting people like walk on the mud trail, and you're like, hey, you're hey. like ah, <laughs> it was it was hard to watch at some points. Yeah, and they had they had wrapped it up as a suicide. Yeah. And just like Harlan knew it was, you know, it was going to work out that way that, um, you know, she left and then Walt saw him, him. Right. You know, so he was alive and well after she left. Yeah, they would they would never picked up on that. It was open and shut for them. And and I think that, you know, going back to the fact that uh, Blanc didn't know who hired him. That was his only reason for for going again back through every little detail with a fine tooth comb. Is he didn't believe it was a suicide because somebody hired him anonymously. Right. That was the only reason. Yeah, and this movie did kind of serve as an indictment to what the real like criminal justice system kind of does. You know, like they're getting paid minimally for this, and they just mm-hmm. take what's at face value and just close yeah, it because sounds right. they have to move on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit of a, a social indictment there about like how well police do their work versus a, a private investigator like actually got to the bottom of this. Yep, eh, it might be a little embarrassing for somebody that's in law enforcement. 
<laughs> Might be, but you know, you think about all those people who, you know, years later you see documentaries about how they were wrongfully co convicted and spent 25 years in jail for something they never did. Yes, yeah, that is a scary thought too. David? So at some point along the way, we all find out Marta's role in this. And this was yes. like halfway, a little past halfway. It's out now. The whole what secret she has been keeping has now become public knowledge to the police, to everybody else. But for some reason, the blackmail letters are still coming. And now that the will has been read in Marta's favor and the family has been cut out, now the family is starting to attack Marta directly. And, yes. And so now she is all alone. She is. And her savior... Her savior, Ransom, comes and, and gets her out of there and, and makes her believe that he's on her side. Meanwhile, he's just realizing how he screwed up. Right. And that was a little bit of backpedaling for me. Like, I had to catch up towards the end when his plan, when you're following through, was his plan all along. But then when you get to the end, you realize that his plan got unraveled and there was a new plan that was formulating so, yeah, that was a bit of catch-up for me, but I, I thought it was great in the sense that it kept me on my toes without it being such a wild and crazy twist that it didn't even make a difference of what I've already seen. Yeah. Which is one of... Like, I had... Go ahead. Which is one of my pet peeves when watching movies, when they try and be so wild and crazy that they just completely overwrite everything you just saw doesn't matter anymore. But it wasn't that case in this movie because what you saw truly did matter. You just didn't know people's mm -hmm. full motivation at that time wasn't what you expected it to be. Right. Which was a lot harder to write, I'm sure. So, again. Again, full, hats off to him. Full credit yep. to Ryan Johnson there, yes. Hats off, knives out, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I had a feeling, like, I, I had that feeling that when she couldn't find whatever the antidote was, I forget what they called it, like the Narcan thing. Naloxone. Naloxone, yeah. yeah, something like that. When she couldn't find that, I'm like, this isn't right. Somebody messed with it. I just didn't know how. So it did keep me on my toes finding out who it was. Um, yeah, you think... But yeah, I knew somebody else was involved at that point. You think that's going to be the big secret was just who took the Naloxone. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't. It was... Who switched the labels on the two bottles? And I didn't even pick up on that until the end when he said that. Like, she, she's so good. She did this a thousand times. She knew which one to give him just by looking at the liquid. Right. And that was a little bit hard for me to watch just, like, on a personal level. Like, you have so little control in life about what truly happens. Like, because you have no foresight in, in real life, right? Okay. And to find out that somebody had switched the labels, but she grabbed the right bottle and injected him with the correct dose of the correct medication, but was she wasn't supposed to do that. So if they just did what she said all along and called the ambulance, even though it was further than 10 minutes away, she had done the right thing, everybody would have been fine. Yep. He would have lived. And I was like, wow, that really stings. <laughs> Like, yes. That hurts. Like hindsight is always twenty twenty, but man, when you get them wrong, you know, like you get them dead wrong. <laughs> yep. But great, great little plot twist there. So Chris Evans, okay. 
I wanted to like him the whole time. I think they probably picked Chris Evans because he is so charming and witty, right? And you wanted to, like, quote, fall in love with him and, like, just trust everything he says. And for him not to be such a huge douche in the end. Right? <laughs> and even Harlan said, he's like, ah, oh, he's just, you know, I see so much of myself in that kid when I was when I was young. He even did the summer of research for Harlan, which is where he got all his murderous, you know, uh, yes, shady insight from. Uh-huh. He sure did learn from him. I wonder if doing that summer of research on murder novels is what caused him to become a murderer in the end. That's interesting. Did it open him up to the possibility of this? Did it, like, you know, romanticize the thought of these plots of killing people to make it okay in his head later in his life? You know, if he had never done that research, maybe he would not have become so interested in because he didn't just kill uh, Harlan. He ended up killing Fran directly as well. He sure did. Yeah, maybe he wouldn't have had the confidence or the yeah I, confidence is security right. of no yeah the confidence of knowing he was going to get away with it because this is how it goes in the books. This is how I learned it. This is how it's going to come out. Right, because you kind of earned that thought process early on and just refined it okay. later on. And I'm sure that the whole family, including him. Probably read all of the stories as well, not even just researching for him, but yeah. Right. But then you just, it just takes that one big push in life to just go over the edge and actually, you know, take action on that thought that, you, that okay. they had. I think that was really well done. Like they, like I said, everybody had motive. That, you know, they, they laid that out plain as day. Every single one of them had motive. And I did not, I, a lot of times, you know, and I'm sure you, you can relate to this as well, you can figure it out early on. Mm -hmm. I did not figure it out early on. I didn't either. No. Nope. This one was truly hidden from me towards until the end. And you mm -hmm. knew all along that that drop of blood was going to have something to do with it of how the detective yes. figured it out. But I had no idea because they kept showing it, but they never talked about it. I know. Even... Even when he was crawling on the after you know he he finds the the secret window yep and he's crawling around on the rug two inches from her <laughs> foot and I'm like this is where he's he sees see it. it this is where he's he sees see it. it he didn't see it and it was such a yep. subtle reveal at the end when he knew about it yes and when she just flat out asked him how did you know and he just taps her shoe with his toe and goes oh I knew from the very beginning. <laughs> You know? Yep. The moment I laid eyes That's on right. you. You're like, that's it? I waited all the whole movie to see like how this tiny drop of blood yeah. is going to pull in. And it's just like, yeah, I just I noticed it from the beginning. I just didn't say anything. <laughs> like, oh, I knew you would lead me to it. Yep. And uh, how how queasy did you get <laughs> when she just yaks all uh -huh. over Chris Evans? I would have loved to have been on set the day they filmed <laughs> I just hope, because obviously you know they threw a bucket of stuff mm -hmm. at his face, but yes. I hope that was one take. I mean, really? How many times can you get vomit thrown on your face? I mean, obviously not real vomit, <laughs> but still. Oh, 
just the thought of it, I would have been like, Ooh. we're probably triggering anybody listening to this right now. But <laughs> they, the chunks of all the like, what did she have for lunch? The sausage yeah. and <laughs> sausage and beans. Sausage and beans. There was chunks of all of that. But as I'm watching this, chunks. and I'm thinking that, like, as an actor, like, okay, stand there. We're gonna hit you with this air cannon full of fake vomit. They're like, and you have to keep a straight face. No. And I'm watching the vomit just like ooze down Chris Evans' face. And I'm thinking they must have used something that was fairly good tasting because it kept getting in his mouth. Ew. And as the character, like, I would have been like spitting like profusely just to keep the stuff out of my And it just kept going in his mouth and he would just keep swallowing oh. it. <laughs> I can I can vomit Jen. right now just thinking about it. Yep, then I'm sure some of our oh. listeners are too. Sorry, people. I thought that was great, and you know, like I give credit to Chris Evans for saying, "Yeah, what the hell, go for it." You know, like he played along with, you know, we're gonna cover you in fake vomit. Do you still want to do this movie? And right, sure enough, he did. She held it together long enough for him to confess. That's right. Although I. I have a hard time ever seeing Chris Evans without thinking of him with the hot dog stuck in his ass covered in whipped cream. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> One of the, actually, the very first movie I ever saw Chris Evans was Not Another Teen Movie, in which there is a scene that he's trying to seduce somebody, so he covers himself with whipped cream and sticks a hot dog between his butt cheeks and he walks away. With it wagging like a little tail. No. That was my introduction to Chris <laughs> Evans. Yes. So, you're welcome for that little mental Thank image. You. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, if you're interested in Chris Evans, um, might be a movie you want to go check out. <laughs> if if he's one of your fantasy men. <laughs> he's really not. <laughs> he, he's like on the other side of the spectrum for me. Yes, I know he's not Jason Momoa. He is not Jason Momoa. However, <laughs> I always i i think Chris Evans and I think Captain America. You can't not think Cap. So you always I, this yep. was a turnaround for me where he was the bad guy. That was the 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 thing for me with this. Like, really, Chris Evans is <laughs> the bad guy. All right. And so this was a re turnaround for me because I've been so used to like when I first saw him as Captain America, I was like. Really? The guy with a hot dog in his butt? <laughs> you know, and then I got used to it. I was like, okay, yeah. I see him as Chris Evans or uh, Captain America because I saw it enough times. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, now Captain America is now the bad guy. So he's back to being the guy with the hot dog in his butt in my mind. <laughs> so let me ask you this. In Avengers, when he talks to his other self about having you know being america's ass did that give you flashbacks to the hot dog it probably <laughs> made you like yep enticed that image right into my head as soon as he said that uh, yep that's funny you can google it and thank me later i'm i'm probably <laughs> going to youtube that little clip of that movie yes anyway holy crap yeah um, so great reveal and i am super pumped that they've already announced the sequel, right? Yes. You know what, though? What? We gave away the ending. We gave away the ending a few times. <laughs> right at the beginning. 
We have, we have to put an alert. Spoilers, we give it away. Yes. <laughs> Full spoilers ahead on this show. Yes. Yeah. So they do a great job, as we've said, tying up the loose ends. Yes. There was a subplot of cheating that we find out that this blank piece of paper um, the whole time, who was supposed to be holding a ransom against the husband to tell his wife, we right. thought was a, a fake or, you know, like a, a, decoy. a decoy. Thank you. Was actually a... Um, invisible ink message that yep. he and his daughter used to play together all the time and so that gets tied up nicely she knew exactly what to do with yep. it um the baseball gets put back it was funny because i thought she was gonna burn it at first you know what i mean she was about to light a cigarette yep and i'm like what is she what what piece of paper is she burning and then i'm like oh that was genius <laughs> I think they wanted yes. that reveal, like, you didn't know what she was doing until you saw it happening, and you're like, why didn't I see this the whole time? And that's how I felt. She mentioned their secret code. That's right. But then- And she did put the baseball back. And Yep. And uh, the mug that says that this is my house now. So they never explicitly tell you in this movie what she decides to do. Is she going to keep the inheritance? Is she going to renounce it and give it back to the family? Right. But the mug- at the very end, tells you, tells the audience what what actually is going to happen. She's going to keep the yep. house, and she's going to teach all of these people a lesson. And I'm kind of glad, too. Me, too, because even the one who was supposed to be her friend, like Meg, yep. betrayed her. Every single one of them betrayed her. When it came down to the money, yes, they, they chose money over family. They chose money over the friends, all Did of it, so... I think they got what they deserve, and Harlan got his way. He taught his family to be self-reliant now. So Yeah, I, la I laughed when, when her car wouldn't start, and, and Ransom told her to get into um, into his car, and they were driving away, and he's like, don't worry, this is going to be good for you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Call back to what you just said to me. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um. It, so you looked this up. Does Anna or... Chris Evans have any part uh, announced in the sequel? No, they were nowhere. Not that I saw. Let me go a little deeper into it. But they were not part of the um, the cast there. So the only one that's going to reprise this role was Daniel Craig. I believe so. Hmm. Whole other. Do you think he's got a lot to live up to to match this kind of level of plot uh, intricacies? I do, but I think I think he will because. He did such a, a great job on this one. I don't know if they have the full cast because they only have ten, the 10 people that I mentioned listed here. And Le Leslie Odom Jr., I didn't mention him. And I don't know who Madeline Klein is. I've never, I haven't seen her. Yeah. Let me see what she's in. I can't think of her off the top of my head. I kind of hope they yeah. call back to this one at least a little bit. Like it's Marta that hires him or something, you know. Um. Just, oh. to, just to tie the two movies together beyond it just being like an episodic like trilogy, mm -hmm. which is okay too. But like I, yeah, you know. about you know, it, it's it's not about them; it's about him. Yeah, yeah. I I likened it to um, like a Sherlock Holmes type movie. You know, it's about the detective and the and the um the sleuth thing. Yeah, and he even calls that out directly, saying, "You will be my Watson." Yes, you know. He did. Um, so he knows that they're doing directly a Sherlock Holmes thing without Sherlock Holmes, which is great, I think, because 
as much as I love Sherlock Holmes, I don't think we can just have iterations of Sherlock where, you know, we can just have new right. great detectives. And I think this is the modern yeah. new great detective series that is starting. And I'm I'm excited to be a part of it. Yep. Yeah. So, honest. You know. Go ahead. Oh, one. I was just, now that you've said that, now that I'm just thinking like Knives Out made sense for this movie because the guy wrote a book called A Thousand Knives. He had the big knives wheel, but. How is that going to relate to the next one, I wonder? Is it going to be... The whole Knives Theory. Is it going to be called Knives Out 2? Did they announce a title? Yes. Yeah. That's what it says, yeah. Now I'm intrigued how it's going to tie in. So I think the title of this movie came from one line from Detective Blanc that says, they were coming at each other like kicking and scratching knives out. Yes. So... I remember him saying that. Yes. So on a scale of murder... How mm-hmm. would you rate this movie? Giving a, a one being just being shot and a ten being like guillotine beheaded. Oh, like the the style. Where along the spectrum do you rate this movie? Well, well, I'm thinking like because it wasn't really a murder. Nobody murdered. Well, him. it was a murder mystery. It was a murder mystery. I would say eight because. And what kind of a murder is a level eight in your mind? A stab. A stabbing. It takes a lot to stab somebody. You got to be a certain kind of ah. psycho to sink a knife into flesh and bone. So you're going with the Leon, the professional perspective of the last level of being a hitman is the knife because it's close and intimate. That's that. That's a good tie-in. <laughs> yep. Because anybody can stand 20 feet away and shoot that's you. That's right. You know? Yep. Yeah, but you gotta, you gotta, I feel like if I was gonna stab somebody, it would have to be to save my own life. (laughs) Yes. It's the only way I could stab somebody. That's good to know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So as long as you're you're never coming at me, you're safe. (laughs) Yeah. I'll never stab you. All right, so Knives Out, did we miss anything? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, obviously this was recorded before Glass Onion was released. We do have an episode coming up on that, so stay tuned. I've also added the link to the Studio Binder episode that talks about Chekhov's guns, and the link is in the description. There's no affiliation to them, I just think it's a cool YouTube channel if you like to talk about movie lingo. And I was mistaken, in not another teen movie, it was a banana split, not a hot dog. I've never seen a banana shake like that. So tell us what you think at Movies Underground on Instagram. And next week, we'll be watching Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl. Thanks for listening. I'm Kevin. And on behalf of Lori and myself, K-bye. It's awesome.